seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. I welcome everybody to the full 40-minute podcast with Chris Bellotti and uh, Rob Dormish. Want to take a little minute to introduce you to this podcast and how it's going to go. I said from the start that it's called the full 40 minutes. That's an obvious reference to playing a full 40 minutes of Villanova basketball. But in no way, shape, or form do we intend to stick to a 40-minute time limit. For uh, For those of you looking to know a little bit more about us, I'm Chris Bellotti. I graduated 2009. Rob also graduated in 2009 from uh, Villanova. So the final four team, uh, we graduated with them. From Scott th- Reynolds. Scott Reynolds was 2010, but was obviously very critical. The key player on that team was obviously Shane Money Clark. That's true. Should never be overlooked. Yeah. So I'm from Long Island. Originally went to... Went to Villanova, stayed in the area for a little while, and uh, live in New York City now. We're doing this recording from, from my apartment uh, with an iPhone and absolutely no equipment whatsoever to make this good. So best of luck to us. Uh, and Rob Dormish uh, is my colleague here, and he also graduated 09 with me, and he is from Appalachia. Um, very exciting. It's a big part of the country. People often overlook it, but uh, some people also would know it would call it Pittsburgh. But uh, my friend Chris here likes to call it Appalachia. So we'll just um, we'll just go with that for the time being and, and see what happens if I can put up with it for long enough. Right. So this podcast is just going to take any form that we seem fit. We'll, we'll probably always go over thoughts from the from the week prior and thoughts of the week coming up. We'll also probably usually cover the Big East in general. Uh, given the media bias against the Big East and True. Fox Sports's ineptitude at covering it, so we'll be we'll 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 take the bur- the burden there, despite not getting paid whatsoever to do this. Yep. Uh, so let's just hop right in. We are basically doing God's work. I just want everybody to know that. Yeah, this is God's work, and you know we're just stepping to the plate to make sure it happens. Yep. Looking out for everybody. Cool. Let's get into it. So what's what what what, what do we want to talk for? You want to talk. You want to talk the selection show? Do we want to talk? Let's do selection show. Yeah, it is big day, big day. It's uh, we're really transitioning officially from football season to college basketball. I hate season. that. It's always college basketball season. That's fine. That's fine. But for the but, rest of the people out there, this is the transition date. This is officially it. We are into it now. The selection show happened. So let's talk. Right. So it's three o'clock, roughly on Sunday. We're recording this. The selection show was just on CBS. Brian Gumbel um, did a wonderful job, as always, introducing it. Then they brought Jerry Palm on in his horrible outfit. It was really bad. And he's just a terrible dresser in general. <laughs> Good um, basketball insight. Dressing insight, not so much. Yeah. And then, of course, you got Seth Davis and Clark Kellogg. Uh, Clark uh, was, was very excited to hear that, the, uh, that one guy who went down on Clemson um, is doing better. Uh, so there's that. Uh, but other than that, good show. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk – before we get into it with Villanova, I mean the the highlight there was that we were not the number one overall seed but we're the one seed in the East. I don't think there's much to talk about there. Let's just go and talk about some of the surprises. What What was the biggest surprise to you? I think the biggest surprise has to be Michigan State. If you are Michigan State – You're coming off last night. You said, hey, look, I just knocked off Purdue. This team hasn't lost in the U.S. It's a big deal. I knock them off. I've got three losses. I've got Miles Bridges, the second best. And they just lost to Ohio State. How could you even say they didn't lose in the United States? (laughs) Okay, well, previously they hadn't lost in the United States. Fine. Anyway, it's a big win nonetheless. I've got Miles Bridges. I've got Jackson. I have got Tom Izzo. I am gearing up for March Give me my due. I expect them. I expected them to be possibly the number one overall rated team in the country on Monday, and here they are getting a three seed. 
number you're confusing everybody with the number one overall rating Ranking. team. Yeah, the yeah. number one team in the country. That's they fine. could be the number one team they in the country. They could be the number one team in the country. And a three seed in the selection show. Yes. That is that is wild. I, I am I am shocked. Purdue just lost twice this week and stayed in the top four according to the selection committee. I get having Purdue in the top four, but I would have expected Michigan State to be right behind them. Michigan State, what, the, what they went on to ding res- Michigan State for is, is a lack of a schedule. And if you look at it, they've played four games against top quality competition. And they've yeah. lost three of them. So, I mean, they lost to Duke when Duke didn't even really have Bagley for that game. Mm. They lost they, – they blew a 16-point lead versus Ohio State. Uh, and, and, they, and then they lost to Michigan State, and they really wilted in that final minute. If they had a two-point lead, I think, and then they just fell apart. Michigan State took a Miles Bridges, for those who didn't see it, hit a clutch three-pointer. He hasn't had the season that I think most people have expected him to have, uh, but, but he was clutch in that game yesterday. So I thought Michigan State was going to be – I actually thought that they were going to jump all the way to the one line um, and knock Purdue down to the two line. With them not being on the one line, I thought for sure they'd be in a top spot in the two line. But the selection committee thought different. And if you're, if, you're a, if you're a Spartans fan, which none of the people listening to this podcast probably are, but if you're a Spartans fan, you've got to be thinking to yourself, we have absolutely no chance of making the one line. They'd have to win out – and then beat Ohio State and Purdue en route in to the, the Big Ten yep. title and probably avenge their loss to Michigan as well in the Big Ten tournament to get a number one seed. It's a lot of work to do. That's a lot of work, and yeah. that's, not, that, that's not easy. Uh, and, the, and, and, and the Big Ten tournament's always a disaster, so, and it's a week earlier. So everyone's going to forget their performance anyway. That is true. That is true. So, so I think, yeah, I think Michigan State is definitely the biggest surprise coming out of this. The one thing that shocked me, and yeah, everyone said this is like it's, like it's the last team kind of in the top four. Oklahoma, like, or, or as we like to know, the fighting Trey Youngs. Like, I don't understand how Oklahoma is one of the top 16 teams in the country. The only justification is there really aren't 16 good teams. And Oklahoma is the one that we just picked because Trey Young's on it. I think that's right. I, and I think that's what it comes down to is once you get out of that top little tier, there's just a whole mash of teams you could throw in there. And everybody's kind of been in free fall. And Trey Young is somebody you can point to and say, yeah, I know he's good. And he gives them the potential to be that top 16 team. Yeah, the – yeah, I just don't see it. They, they're, not, they're not ranking this on p- p- potential. I look at Rhode Island as a team that's done a lot. I thought Gonzaga, maybe after their win again, uh, over St. Mary's last mm-hmm. night, had a chance. Uh, to me, it's just to me, it's just a really weird ranking to put them in the top 16. Yeah. They've been in free fall. I know. But it's like the teams you brought up, Gonzaga, Rhode Island, what wins do they have? I mean, I know we like to tout our Gonzaga win as, hey, we beat Gonzaga. But in reality, who do they have? It's, no, it's nobody there. So I don't know. So we'll see how that plays out over the next few weeks. One of the, the things I want to get your reaction on was this. If I look at some of the brackets in the South, I've basically got defense, defense, UVA, Cincinnati. And in the East, I've got offense, offense, Nova Duke. What yeah. do you think? So here's my recommendation for people. on In the Elite Eight, when they play the East and the what is the East and the South region? East and the South, yep. The East and the South regions on what will probably be uh, Sunday afternoon for the right to go to the Final Four, right? Set your clock for a, a little nap when they play UVA Cincinnati so you can wake up feeling refreshed for the Villanova Duke game because, I mean, Duke is terrible at defense and we're not all that great at defense. No. Um, Though hopefully we'll have Booth back, which will definitely make a difference. Uh, and then Cincinnati and Virginia don't know how to do anything other than play defense. So, I mean, that game might end like 42-39. to 39. 
Yeah, I mean, if I'm a better, I'm taking the under in that game and the over in whatever Villanova Duke is. Yes, yeah, it, it could be. You could have two like totally lopsided results. It's like, gonna be crazy. Forty-two thirty-nine, the Virginia Cincinnati game, and then and oh by the way, I do think this is the year Virginia breaks through. Okay, I think this is the year Virginia is going to make the Final Four. I don't know if they have enough offensive capability to win the national championship, but their defense is so historically good. And teams just can't play offense well enough to overcome that this year. Yeah. I just don't see it. They look good. They look really good. So who? So that that makes total sense. So if we look at, let's talk about Nova. Let's bring it back to the reason we're talking about this podcast. So we've got our bracket. We've got Nova, Duke, Texas Tech, Ohio State. Yeah. Do you do you sign up for that right now? Here's my here's here's the take. Given our difficulties with the round of 32, and I get it, we won the national championship in 2016, and that was amazing. We were all there, and it was awesome. But the I don't worry too much about, about who is at the top of our bracket. Mm. It's just not something I get too worried about. Yeah, yeah. Because, because if I'm in the Sweet 16, and we'll come back to this a couple times, my take on any given Villanova year is you got to make the Sweet 16. That is like the definition. I buy a little bit into Jays. We play to win the regular season, the, the Big East regular season, and we have each goal in front of us, and we're not thinking that cleanly. I buy into that a little bit, and I'm comfortable with that to an extent. But the but so as far as I'm concerned, when we make the Sweet 16, I always feel like you roll the dice from the Sweet 16 mm-hmm. on. But you got to make the Sweet 16. So I'm more inclined to worry about – Who's our 8-9? Who's our 7-10 matchup? And we'll get into that. But to answer your question, I don't think it's terrible. I don't, I'm, I'm glad that we wouldn't see Duke or Texas Tech. Texas Tech should be a two-seed. Um, but I don't, I'm glad that we wouldn't see Duke or Texas Tech until the Elite Eight. Ohio State is good. I don't think much of the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten is garbage this year. But... I like Ohio State and Michigan almost as much as I like Michigan State and Purdue. Yeah. I, I, I think that Michigan's going to get this figured out. And Ohio State is good. Holtman is good. He's had Jay's number of late. Like, a matchup with Ohio State in the Sweet 16 would bother me a little bit. Yeah. I wouldn't want to see them in, in, in the Sweet 16. I don't think we will. I think they'll end up on the two or three line. I think they might. I think they might win the Big Ten outright. Yeah. They have some tough games coming up, but I think they might win the Big Ten. Yeah, I would say all in all, looking at this, yeah, there's some teams I'd, I'd probably sub in if I'm creating my ideal bracket. Would I want to play Clemson? Yeah, sign me up for Clemson. Do I believe in Auburn? No, definitely not. Sign me up for Auburn. I'm not, but, I don't agree with that. All right, all right, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. But given this bracket, if I said these are, these are the top four in my bracket, I'll take it. But I think you bring up a good point. Before we even get there, we need to make it to the second weekend. It's been a stumbling block, so let's talk about it. Who are you most scared of facing? I'm stealing your answer here. You and I have talked about this a lot, and I mentioned them just previously. I don't want to see Michigan. Yeah. Michigan, I just talked about how bad the Big Ten is, but Michigan seems to be a team. Bayline seems to be a team. The way they play always seems to be hot entering the dance. The last time we played them was like, I think it was 20... It was the 2014-2015 season. No. Yeah, I think it was that season. Or was it? No, yeah, it was the year because Javon Pinkston had the big block. The block. Um, which sealed the deal in the Barclays Center. In and I land. think there might be only one player from that team still on the team, um, which I think is Rockman. But I'm not, I, I'm not 100% sure. But regardless, they got Mo Wagner who is who would just demolish Spellman down low. And and they have they, they play that kind of brand of basketball that we always seem to bother get bothered by. I'm not, but but at this point, I just expect it. I'm expecting that our eight nine matchup. If we hold on to the one seed line, I expect that our one that our eight nine matchup is going to be Michigan versus NC State. Mm. That's exactly the type of team. Two teams that have absolutely beaten top five teams that absolutely can do it with good coaches and. And just have bad losses that drag them down into the into the eight nine line. 
that's exactly who we're going to see. I, don't get your hopes up on hoping for like the two mid-majors, which you know the selection committee doesn't want a lot of mid-majors making it deep in the tournament. Don't get excited to think that we're going to get the Nevada, you know, uh, New Mexico State game. Like it's just not going to happen. We're going to get two major conference teams that have bad losses but good wins. That's how it's going to be. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think Michigan. Michigan's a team that scares me. Mo, the composer Wagner is a better, more complete version of Omari Spellman. He can shoot the three. He can bang down low. He's great defensively, and he's just bigger than Omari Spellman. I want. He is like if Spellman comes back next year as Mo Wagner. Sign me up for that. It's amazing. Is Spellman a little bit smaller than you thought he was going to be based on like descriptions? I mean, coming out of high did, school, the dude did lose forty pounds. I, yeah, I get that. I'm not talking about his like weight or stature. I'm talking like height wise. I just thought I thought he was a couple inches tall. I don't know why. This must be just. What I, I thought what like I, a, I thought like a, a a five star big man from Ohio. When I when I heard that we got Omari five star big man from Ohio, I thought that we were getting a six eleven type guy, and he's more like six eight. Yeah, he's like he's like big baby Davis. No, he's not at all like. Big oh my baby. god, he's exactly like, his, his profile is exactly like big 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 baby. Big baby he's not big or a baby. He doesn't well, look anything like him. I mean, he's about the same height, and he used to look. His physique used to be very similar to Big Baby Davis. That's fair. That's fair. Now at this point, he's trimmed down, but height wise, kind of the same game. Shout out to Villanova Strength and Conditioning uh, the shack. program. Yeah, the Shack took Chris Jenkins to a whole new level, and. Is clearly done the same with Omari Spellman, and the best part about that is that he hasn't do any, hasn't do doesn't have to do any work with uh, Jermaine Samuels, who the man Jermaine the man Samuels. Yeah. For Dude. those who don't know, for those who don't know, Rob likes to call certain basketball players men. His his favorite team that was not Villanova was the two thousand eight Memphis team, which he referred to lovingly as the team of men. If anybody watched that team play, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This group was looked like a bunch of 30-year-old dudes who spent the past 15 years, 24 hours in the gym. I wish my body would look half that good, ever. It won't, but I wish it did. I mean, these guys were ridiculous. They somehow lost because they couldn't hit free throws in the championship game, but I always come back to them. It's like a team of LeBrons almost. They were just chiseled. So anyway, Jermaine Samuels could fit on that team. He has got to look like the like look, just physically. He has to look like the most body ready athlete that Jay's brought out of college. Absolutely, and, and he really. I know he really struggled in the early going this season. He looked lost defensively yeah. and offensively, but. He broke out in that DePaul game, and then, of course, he breaks his hand, which is still more broken hands than losses on the season. That's great. And he – but like, he came back, and he looks good. He looks good. Let's, let's say that. We'll, we'll get into Jermaine's play in, in a little bit. So we're, I think that's, that's probably a good chat on – anything else on selection show before we move on? No, I think we, I think we hit all the topics there. You know, it, Four weeks, we'll find out the actual bracket, but I wouldn't be surprised if this changes too much. Yeah. I, I, I expect Duke to be in our region. They're going to be the second highest seeded team out of the ACC, which means that if Virginia's going to be in the south, then that means Duke's going to be in the east. Whether that's a two or a three seed doesn't matter. So I expect to see to see that. Yeah, definitely. No, it'll be, it'll be exciting, so we'll see how the season wraps up. Should we move on to our second topic we wanted to cover is – want to introduce everybody, if they don't know, to Chiron Cartwright. Yeah. So one of the surprises out of the selection show was that Trey Young's team got into the top 16 teams, clearly. But no love for, quote from Fox Sports analyst, and I forget his name, but on the Xavier Providence game. doesn't matter. They're they're all faceless. They're all faceless. (laughs) The Xavier Providence game called Kyron Cartwright the best point guard in the Big East. And ever since then... Ever since I've been enlightened with such information, I have been just absolutely obsessed with Kyron Cartwright. Yeah. And to be fair, in that game, he had 19 and 9 assists. But, you know, Kyron Cartwright, best point guard in the Big East, 
thanks to Fo- you know, deemed as such from Fox's amazing programming. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so what we're going to do each week is we're going to give you a little update on Kyron Cartwright and how the best point guard and, and arguably the best player in the Big East is progressing, what, right, he's, and, what he's been up to, and, 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 how things are looking for him. Mind you, if he's better than Jalen Brunson, right, then we're talking about like a, a generational player. Yeah, absolutely. So we believe here on the full 40 minutes that we would not be appropriately fully filling our 40 minutes if we did not talk about how good Kyron Cartwright is. Yeah. So let's give, let's give the listeners just a, a little bit of background into Kyron Cartwright so you can fully appreciate Kyron Cartwright the person because we want to give them – give you a little bit more color about who he is both on and off the court. So Kyron Cartwright is straight out of Compton. He's Fair from Compton. from Compton, California. He is uh, he's about five foot eleven, one eighty five. He is fast. He can shoot. He can rebound. He can pass. He averages eleven three and six a game. Now that's big time. That's big time. That's big time. Sign me up for that. If we had that on our team, we yeah. would have had that number one overall. Yeah, yeah. That's it's just it's a game changer. So no let's question. let's let's maybe talk a little bit about um, what did he do this week? He got hit two games. Yeah, yeah. DePaul and Georgetown. Right. So they, if you didn't see it, George, they got blown out by DePaul at the dunk, which is mystifying. <laughs> Not a good look. Not a good look. And I realized <laughs> that. You shouldn't throw stones if you live in a glass house after losing to St. John's this week. But not a good look to lose to, to <laughs> yeah. DePaul. Yeah, so, so we lost to DePaul, and Chiron chipped in eight points that game. I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass, though. Um, I heard he was dealing with uh, actually two torn ACLs and played through it. Hard to play on crutches. It is really difficult to do that. But he got through it, and then the other game was was Georgetown this week. Right. So Georgetown, he chipped in seven here. Four-point win. Four-point win. Yeah, that's good. Seven points. It's, um, again, not not stellar, not quite what you'd look for. Was it two-and-nine shooting against Georgetown? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, it's not quite national player of the year material, but I think it's just an off week for Chiron, and I'm looking for him to rebound this week. It's going to be exciting to see what he can do to bring it home. Yeah. And this brings us to a good point is a game that we're going to play called what would have happened if we had Chiron Cartwright on our team? Yeah. And I got to be honest with you. You just add in his, what is it, seven, eight points that he had against Georgetown? Yep. To our St. John's game, and we would have won the game. Absolutely. So, so I think the answer is what would have been the case if Chiron Cartwright played for Villanova is we wouldn't have lost to St. John's. I think you just hit the nail on the head. And I think that that's a good segue. Maybe we take that and move it into our recap for the week. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So, obviously, if you haven't heard yet, you just live under a rock and don't actually care about Villanova basketball. In which and case, why are you listening to this podcast? Why would you listen to this podcast? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Villanova lost to St. John's on Wednesday night. In, and, the, you know, the automatic thing that you have to note right off the bat is we found out few hours before tip-off that we lost Eric Paschal. The guys looked out of sorts. Um, didn't look like they had their best effort. Um, I shouldn't say best effort. That's not the right thing to say. Uh, the guys played hard, as they always do. But it didn't look like they had their... They didn't look like their head was in the right space versus DePaul. Um, versus St. John's. John's. Jeez. Yeah. Now, I think... And we'll probably keep coming back to this. I think St. John's is woefully underrated. I think they're a top 75. I think their RPI is 67, which for a 13 and 13 team is astounding. They are they played a they've played a very tough schedule. They lost Lavette a, f- a couple months ago. Um, and Shamori Pons, while not as good as Kyron Cartwright, is excellent. He is excellent. Like that kid is a stud. And this is a team that seems to always play up to their competition. They always play us tough. So I'm not shocked that we lost and they caught us on offense. They also gained confidence. They were 3-0 and in the last, like, eight days. Wins over Marquette, who I don't even want to talk about Marquette. But I guess we'll end up talking about Marquette. Oh Providence, they didn't play. But had they played Kyron Cartwright, they would have yeah. they, they been really tough for them. 
Um, and then they had, and they beat Villanova, and they beat and they beat Duke. Yeah, it's a good week. So, St. John's is an athletic squad. Mullen is not yet a good coach. I don't think he understands how to coach yet, but he's got he's got talented players, and so I think that St. John's losing to St. John's is not as bad as it actually looks. Yeah, and I, I don't want to dwell too much on the St. John's game. I, I will point out that. Shamari Pons is is such a stud and such a player. I think he's on all of zero draft boards. So it's um, I don't know if it's quite translated if his game's translating to the next level. But um, but yeah, he he's had a, a few good weeks. That's great. So say. that means we get to see him for another like eight times. I, I think so. Something like Jeez. that. Yeah. So so that'll be good. But anyway, so yeah. So, so St. John's we got the loss. Fine. Jay also I thought coached him. Coach, not a great game. He said before the game he was going to go zone. I didn't see zone once, maybe a look for a second. But Spellman was totally lost defensively. Pons was carving us up, and I just don't understand why we didn't go zone. But to be fair to the coach and to the players, I was looking for the question when you have an injury and something like that is how do you respond? And they responded to in the Butler game. In a way, I think we were all pretty proud of. Yeah, let's talk about Butler. I mean, that was – if we're talking about rebounds, you want to see how the coach responds, that's exactly how you want to do it. Obviously, Villano comes back, picks up a gutty win yesterday. Butler was hot too early. It Butler looked like hot. it looked yeah. like redux from the December 30th game. Yeah. Which, question on that December 30th game. If we had Kyron Cartwright on our team for that game, would we have won? Let me just give you a simple math equation. I think we lost by, what, seven in the Butler game? Eight. 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 Well, Kyron Cartwright averages 11 points a game, so simple math says, yes, we would have beaten Butler. There you go. There we go. There you go. Kyron Cartwright, biggest miss on the recruit of the Jay Wright era. Of the Jay Wright era. Yeah. That's a long time. Anyway, so we, we rebound. We come back. They come out hot. Villanova decided to play a full 30 minutes of Villanova basketball. Yeah, I would probably say 30 minutes. I think the effort was there to start the game. Butler was just hot. There was a sequence when Keelan Martin hit two threes from Mm. the same exact spot that I almost threw my remote through the television. That our reaction time and not picking him up was was there. Uh, You know, Jay Jay actually alluded to it in his post game presser, but and and kind of wrote it off. But there's no way in the locker room that he wasn't absolutely livid. In about about that sequence, yeah. So I mean, if they if you don't give up that sequence, we actually win the first half, and then we blew them out in the second half. Yeah, and we, I I was very happy. Jay went zone in the second half. That really screwed them up, and it was an interesting decision to go zone because they were hot in the first half from deep, and that's usually how a good way to carve up a zone. But we went zone, and and we looked really good. I think the zone really helps Spellman more than anybody else. Yeah, because you stick him in the center of the zone, and all of a sudden he's in position for rebounds. All of a sudden he's guarding the position that he should be guarding. Like as much as Jay wants him to be the guy he can guard one through five, he's just not. Yeah, he's he's uncomfortable guarding in the perimeter, and then he gets out of position from a rebounding standpoint. Yeah. So I like going zone um, with this with this unit. We also have the personnel to go zone. We're long this year and athletic. You got DiVincenzo, who is a freak athlete due to the freak. Uh, you have you have Bridges, who is Inspector Gadget Arms, and Samuels looked terrific. Yeah, in the back of the zone, and he is an athlete. That dude's big. He's, I know we were just talking about a big is from a strength perspective, but he is big, tall, long, pretty, pretty impressed by how he looked in the zone, especially yesterday. Yeah, no, I will say, and, and I think we were talking a little bit about this earlier too. If you remember Space Jam, right, where they, like, the Monstars essentially stole the power from the NBA players, I think in in his layoff, Samuel stole the defensive prowess from Spellman. Yeah. And that's what happened. Samuels knew what to do on switches. Right. Spellman had no idea. And so they switched to the zone, and the zone worked. That's great. Yeah. But it was it was just a total total 180 for those guys. Jay also said in the postgame presser that he, he did a box and one at some point. I didn't actually see it. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't surprise me. And I wouldn't be shocked to see just a handful of junk defense thrown out sometimes just to just to spell these guys and chase one particular guy around um, if we're struggling in that type of game. 
But I really like the zone. I mean, the zone's good. It's good to add into what. Here's a question for you. Where's Dada? Yeah, I, this is something that you and I are on the same page with. I don't understand the minutes allocation for Demir Cosby Roundtree. And I'm not a coach, nor should I be. But Demir Cosby Roundtree, to me, looks so good for a freshman big man. And I just don't understand how he doesn't get more minutes. Spellman had, what, like 37 minutes yesterday or something like that? Whole game, yeah. Yeah, Dada is automatic around the hoop. He is the single most polished freshman big man of the Jay Wright era. I want to disagree with that, but I don't think I can. I don't think you can. I don't think I can because Spellman is not polished around the basket in a way that I'd like him to be or thought he might be. Yeah. And not defensively at all. I mean, Moof, no. Chef became the best big man in Villanova in Jay Wright's era. Second semester senior year Chef knew what to do around the hoop the way Dada does. Now, obviously, Chef was better than Dada. I'm not asserting that he's not. But you have to go to that level to find that level of finishing and consistency. Yeah, he just seems to have the good in- – he has good instincts around, about finishing around the basket, which to me is just like surprising. So is, the question is, is, is he showing the same lef- level of effort and practice that he does mm, in the games? Mm. Because you know Jay is, cares about that, Yeah. So which I don't blame him for, and that's why he's one of the best coaches in the country. Yeah. But – should we talk a little bit about the talk after the game? I, I do want to get to the all-important statistic of the Villanova basketball count. So each week we're going to let you guys know what the Villanova basketball count is for the week. And we don't have stats on the St. John's game, so we're just going to focus in on the Butler game. But if you didn't watch the St. John's game, we, there wasn't a whole lot of Villanova basketball being no. played anyway. So we'll just focus on Butler. Absolutely. But, so yeah. Dante had, I believe – a full quote of getting back to playing full 40 minutes of Villanova basketball. I think he said the full, the full thing in the post-game uh, interview that he had on the court um, with Fox Sports. Uh, and even if he didn't say it, I'm just going to guess that he said it. Yeah. Uh, because that is just what our players do. Yeah. And then in the post-game presser, he had two. I think he had two. In the same sentence. He knows what to do. He is zeroed in. The dude was focused, and he rattled off two in the same sentence. Yeah. That's commitment. His commitment shows that his head's in the right place, shows that he's learning from the right people, right people being Josh Hart. Oh, Josh. We'll come back to to Josh. Do you want to just go right into Josh? Should we do a little Josh segment? Yeah, yeah. this is a segment we like to call the Hart Monitor, Yep. uh, which is just focusing on how Josh is doing in the National Basketball Association, Yeah, uh, playing for – the Lakers of Los Angeles. Yes. So so Josh has been, for those who don't know, and again, if you don't know, you probably should stop listening to the podcast. Uh, Josh got drafted first round by the Lakers. Saw his playing time a little bit spotty early on this year. Went down to the G League for a little bit. But he's back, and he's been starting recently. He's been getting some good minutes, especially while the Lakers are on a hot streak. And in particular... The past three games prior to uh, prior to the last one, he had averaged a double-double. It was amazing. 15 and 14, 14 and 11, 15 and 11, 10 and 8. What do you have against Brooklyn? I, was, I went to the game in Brooklyn, and Brooklyn. he was yeah. awesome. 15 and 14. 15 and 4. He was stellar. He's been leading the team in rebounding these past few games. The dude is a stud and is earning his playing time. I went to the Lakers... Brooklyn game in Brooklyn for the express purpose of watching Josh Hart. Yeah. And he did he delivered. It was wonderful. I, I what what can you bad, say bad about Josh Hart? There's nothing bad to say about him. I don't know. He's doing terrific in the league in a, in a position that he's actually undersized in his position. And out rebounding guys. Carmelo Anthony I thought was going to punch him in the face for his OKC the other day because Josh was just getting in his grill and just killing him defensively. Yeah. And Hart plays harder than anybody. Hart has Hart? Yeah. That's what it boils down to. And I would say the, the defensive statistics I didn't list, but you're spot on. He has been crushing it on defense. Dude has a couple highlight blocks. 
he's an exciting player right now. I know he's gaining some traction with the LA fans. We'll see what happens with the IT trade. They just brought in IT, shook up the roster a little bit. It's going to be interesting, but he's really carving out a spot not only on the team, but but in the league. It looks good for him. Yeah, the the thing is, is and this is no surprise, having watched him at Villanova, the fans love his effort, um, but they also like his basketball fundamentals. Yeah. like I've, I've read some blogs from Lakers fans about how he just plays the game the right way, both from an effort and from a fundamental standpoint. And I, I'm excited to see what, what he does with his career. I, I thought, you know, he'd be a bench maybe starter player i didn't know if he had enough athleticism to become an all-star in the league and i'm not saying that he's on his path yet but for him to go from g league to starter averaging double doubles over a specific period of time in a couple months that says a lot about his character and his ability to improve so uh, i think the ceiling is the roof here the ceiling is the roof with with josh hart I think that's I think that's spot on. And, and on a personal note, I kind of wish I lived in LA. I just want to like befriend Josh Hart. Just seems like a good dude. I don't know Josh personally at all, but he just seems like a great dude. He, he seems plays... like a good dude. Of course, as fans, we just want him to be a good dude. Absolutely. But he definitely seems like a good guy. Yeah, for sure. And a great, great Instagram too. If you guys don't follow him, you should absolutely follow him. It's hilarious. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the heart monitor. I think a lot of the heart monitor is positive and definitely beating this week. Villanova also has other players in the NBA. We're just going to consciously ignore them for this week at least, and just yeah, focus on yeah, Josh. like uh, I, Kyle Larry who? Yeah, I've I heard of him once or twice. Well, maybe maybe if he's lucky, we'll come back to him. Yeah, maybe point. we'll talk about the first place Toronto Raptors at some point in time. Oh, they are in first. <laughs> yeah, jeez. All right, that's but, a lot of NBA talk though. All right, so that that was a good heart monitor update. Um, maybe we want to do looking forward a little bit. Should we go maybe talk us and then go around the Big East a little bit? Yeah. So so two big games this week. Obviously, it's easy to get hung up in what will be a top five matchup uh, next Saturday versus Xavier. Uh, but I think that the immediate thing we need to talk about the Providence game. Uh, obviously, scary. Anytime you got to play Kyron Cartwright. Right I mean, off the bat, I yeah. mean, we're just we're, we're going into Chiron Cartwright zone, and he might take us to Compton here. So we'll see. And I don't know what you think, but I think we're going to be without Pascal again. I think you're right. I think Pascal's definitely out for, for Providence. Jay said he's still, quote, a few days away, and you never know with the concussion protocol. You show any symptoms, it's another week out. Yeah. I think he's back for the Xavier game. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know too much about it uh, in terms of in terms of concussion protocols. Pascal and texted me earlier and said, "I'm coming back for Xavier." Just there's, to be just to be clear, he didn't text me. I I don't know Eric Pascal at all, but there's yeah, there's no chance that happened. Yeah, but it'd be cool. The if did. Pascal is going to be back for the Xavier game. Prediction: You heard it here first. Yeah, and he's going to have fresh legs. A lot of talk about fresh legs on the VU Hoops comment section, and Pascal will have fresh legs two weeks. Two weeks of pretty much being shut down, week and a half, uh, and 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 he'll be and he'll be back and fresh. I think. Speaking I, of I'd leg. be shocked if he if we lost to Butler, yeah. Jay might be tempted to accelerate his comeback, but you just don't mess with concussions. Yeah, no, I agree, and it works. It works out long. And this team is we are shaping up for a March run. We're getting everybody healthy. It's going to be exciting. So I, I think that I think the big questions of the week boil down to one you hit on already. How are we going to handle Chiron Cartwright? And I don't, I don't think you or I can really answer that question because, frankly, nobody in the country can. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have the best point guard in the Big East, Chiron Cartwright, against the second best point guard in the Big East in yeah. Jalen Brunson um, and National Player of the Year candidate Jalen yeah. Brunson. But, but well, let's not focus on that because we, we can't answer. Let's, let's talk about Xavier. Maybe. Let's talk about what is – how annoying is Makura going to be? I mean, Makura and Grayson Allen got to be related, right? They are they are pasty annoying players. Yeah, uh, yeah. They they JP McCurry is going to be fired up. He might be in his full leotard Ooh, outfit. Yes, he might definitely, almost definitely, going to be in a full leotard outfit. Yep. Uh, taking the X Men thing a little too far, and the leader of the X Men is bald. Chris Mack. bald. Chris back. Yeah, you think he's bald accidentally? I think it's on purpose. Yeah, he's bald. Head coach of Xavier. Come on. It's a given. 
So, I mean, the Xavier game is obviously. Do you think that the the kind of looping in the uh, the selection show now that we know that Villanova was the two overall one seed and Xavier was the third overall one seed? What do you think the matchup means? Do you think that the winner jumps to the number one overall seed? Can someone t- can someone unseat Virginia with winning that game, or does the loser fall off the one line? Or both? So I think to answer your first question, I think Michigan State actually gives a good example of why the winner of Saturday's game, Villanova versus Xavier, will not jump to the overall one seed. Michigan State also had a big win, didn't really jump all that much. I think both Villanova, Villanova's obviously got a great resume already. Xavier's resume is, is pretty good. It's not great. A win will definitely help them. Maybe they move up to the second number one seed, but I don't see anybody jumping Virginia unless Virginia loses. And I think, frankly, for the Big East, it doesn't really matter that much at the end of the day. I was shocked that Virginia lost yesterday. I, it was, it's an anomaly. That defense is, I do not want to face them. I mean, I don't think they're going to win the ACC tournament just because I think you need to play really high-level offense to win the ACC tournament, just the way, just the way it's always played. Yeah. But... I think that might be their only other loss this whole year until until you're talking the Final Four. Yeah, their schedule is really favorable. Their they schedule is favorable. The they table. played a favorable ACC schedule. I know there's a lot of accolades that go to the ACC of being the best basketball conference or potentially the best basketball conference, but if you're not paying attention, the ACC is actually not as strong this year. Duke is not – is Duke got top five potential? No question. Um, but Duke is not the Duke that – you would have expected them to be. North Carolina stumbled, although it seems like they found their footing. Yeah, they stink. North Carolina stinks. I sign me. I mean, sign me up to play North Carolina in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Ki- we'll kill them. I, I I assume so. That's true. But anyway, so oh, I I lost my train of thought. We're, 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 what are we even talking about? Well, we we got off topic and started talking about UVA because we were talking about the number one. Oh yeah, that's right. So so Villanova Xavier. I think the winner – I think if we win, I think we could jump Virginia because you pick up a top five win away from home. Mm. And I think that balances out their Duke win mm. and and pushes us over the top and basically eliminates the St. John's game from conversation. Mm. I think if Xavier beats us, we obviously flip spots. I don't think we fall off the one line regardless unless we get throttled, which I don't see it happening. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. It'll be it'll be a tough game. I mean, I'm gonna guess that we'll probably win by twenty five thirty. Is our going rate against Xavier? I think the I just don't see that. I think it'll be much more like the twenty sixteen game. I think we could lose this game. Um, the the twenty sixteen game where we both were top were top five teams, or it was like two six matchup or something yeah. like that. One versus six. I think it'll be an atmosphere like that. I think it'll be absolutely wild in the Sinto Center. What an amazing place that place looks like to watch a college basketball game. I haven't been myself. I've heard good things. But the Sinto Center on television looks absolutely phenomenal. Beautiful. Beautiful arena. And I'm the jealous. fans look crazy. Way better than our fans. Well, they're, they live in Cincinnati, so they're probably crazy. It's bordering on Appalachia. True. It's almost in Appalachia. I know the region well. True. And those fans can get loud, unlike our fans. But we should dedicate a segment to that. I think that I think that it's not a bad idea. But I also think that Blewett – I don't think Blewett has had a good game against us yet in his like whole career. I think this is his last shot. I wouldn't be surprised if Blewett has a big game. So you and I kind of disagree with this. Is Trevin Blewett really that good? He gets a lot of hype. He gets first team Big East type. I, I mean, think he's first team Big East. I think yeah. he's really good. I think that guy. I think he. I think he. He's not afraid to take the big shot. I yeah. wish Bridges had McCall Bridges had some of his, like big shot. Level fearlessness. Okay. In the way he plays, and I also think that. I also think that I think that he's good. He's got a good three point jumper. He's 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 crafty. I think he's good. I like him a lot. Um, the 
and I just think that you're tainted because that we always seem to play against him well. Yeah. And that might have something to do with Bridges, just being a blanket on him. Yeah. Uh, because they play similar positions. But I would not be surprised to have Blewett have his best game against us and you to eat your words. Okay. Yeah. I still think we can win the game, but I wouldn't be surprised. The matchup I'm actually looking to to see what happens with is Cantor and Spellman. Yeah, absolutely. Cantor is actually really good. And he I mean, if you're a Xavier fan and you're and you watched for some reason because you're a masochist, watched the Villanova Xavier game over again, your silver lining, your takeaway from that game is Cantor. Cantor did whatever he wanted to on Spellman down low. Just got whatever he wanted to, scored at will, and we got blown up underneath. It actually is shocking that Mac didn't keep going back to him to try and keep Xavier in the game. But I get, I get that we were drilling everything from deep, and so, and so you're going to have that. Yeah. But I, I think they're going to go into him. I think you're going to feed the post a lot, and, and Spellman's going to have to show his chops. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I agree. I mean, Chris Mack should have fed Ennis Cantor. It's not no, Ennis Cantor's. Ennis Cantor's brother, whatever his name is. Cantor. Should have fed Cantor all day that game. It was unstoppable. I think you're right, though. It boils down to if we're hitting shots, it's not going to matter. Because that's what happens when we play Xavier. We seem to come in and we hit shots. And they can feed it, and I'll trade three for two every day. It, we're going to have to play well early. You don't want to be in a situation where you're down six in entering the locker room or coming out of that locker room at halftime. Just because that place is going to be absolutely wild. And I, I just find it hard to believe that we'll overcome a position of being down more than five, six, seven points in the second half with that crowd going as crazy as it's going to be. So, I mean, this is the Big East game of the year. Yeah, easily. So it's, it's basically a, deci- it's a deciding factor who's going to win the conference. For sure. So, I mean, do I think that for the conference perspective – Xavier beating us, that's not a bad thing. I actually rather have two high seed line teams. Um, but but obviously I want obviously Villanova to win. So I think Villanova gets out of there with a W, but I think Xavier is going to look way different than the Xavier we saw at the Wells Fargo Center. Final score? 88-82. 88-82. Nova. I'm going to go... 84-71, Nova. Solid big, 13 points. Big win. Yeah, big win. All right, so that's enough on probably Nova Xavier. Should we go do a quick around the Big East? Yeah, around the Big East. So some results from the past week. Don't want to dwell on it too much. We mentioned DePaul throttling Providence at the dunk, which is shocking. Uh, and it is. Georgetown beat Seton Hall. Seton Hall is in free fall. Right Seton now. Hall is not a good I've said all season, Seton Hall is not a good team. And it really bothers me that they're not good. I don't understand it. Like, But you know they're going to be in this. We're going to face them in the semifinals of the Big East, and it's going to be like a one-possession game with 30 seconds left. And one of their players will just punch us in the face because that's what they do. For those who don't remember, Rob's referencing Sterling Gibbs who was a transfer player into Seton Hall, elbowing Arch in the face uh, at the pavilion. Yep. Which... Classy move. In fairness to both players, they both handled that way better than anything that the fans did. So the players handled that. They handled it fine, and it was over as fast as it started. Yeah. But... Yeah, it's gonna be. They're gonna play us tough. You know, they're gonna play us tough, and we got them. And we got them at the Prudential Center coming up too in a couple weeks. So we have a clo- we have a tough stretch to close the season out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. At the dunk, at the Sinta Center, we get DePaul at home. Uh, that scares me. I mean, that if Kyron Cartwright couldn't do it, I don't know about Jalen. That's, that's true. That's a good point. Then you have the following. The following week, you have at Creighton, at um, at Creighton, and at Seton Hall, and I mean those are probably the four toughest environments that we'll play in. Yeah, for sure. In the Big East, 
So that's that's gonna be tough, and they're tough probably all tournament teams. Do we think all the Big East is gonna get? How many th- teams are you gonna get? Marquette, I'm I'm done. No, Marquette, I'm done. I'm done with Marquette. It. Screw Marquette. I'm I'm so sick and tired of talking about Marquette. They're just like they're just the exact type of team that always plays way up to their competition when it's us, yeah. and sucks against anyone else because they're totally disinterested. Yeah, I think you got you got five teams in for sure. You've got Nova. Xavier, obviously. Seton Hall gets in, even though they're going to stumble into the finish. Butler, assuming they don't fall apart, gets in. Creighton's, no, Butler's, Butler's in. Butler's going to be you in. Never, you never know. Butler's a should be in already. They should be in. I agree. Yeah. But they, they, they don't have much left to do. They just got to hold serve and finish out the season, get above that 20-win mark, and they're, they're in. Yeah. But then teams, I think, actually make noise in the tournament. Nova and Xavier better make Sweet 16. Otherwise, that's a total failure. And then of the other two, I expect Butler to have the outside chance for the hey, Sweet who, 16. Who's the fifth team, Creighton? Yeah, yeah, Creighton. Creighton Creighton's going to get in, but they're not going to do anything in the tournament. It'd be really nice to have a couple teams perform above seed line expectations for once in the NCAA tournament. I think we had two in the Sweet 16 last year. You had Xavier made the Elite Eight, and I think Butler snuck into the Sweet 16 last year. But like... Yeah. But man, we need to get we need to get teams. We need to get like multiple teams. So I, I I'm fine if we don't have seventy percent of the conference in. Like that's nice to say up front. But I want to see teams in the Sweet Sixteen. I want to see three Big East teams in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, for sure. If you told me only three teams from the Big East made the tournament and three teams made the Sweet Sixteen, I'd absolutely take that over seven teams in and one. One. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, you're right. I I agree with that. We're on the same page. Yeah. yeah. The the question mark is Providence and Marquette I've written off. Yeah. And then here's the other question mark. Does the fighting Shimori Ponzes of St. John's somehow, some way make a run, even if that run is in MSG for the Big East tournament, to the big dance? I think it's it's a nice story, and I know you're big on the athleticism of St. John's, but I just don't see it happening. There's so many holes in that 13. team. There's so many holes in that team. I know they exploited us this week, but there's just no way they put this together consistently. If they do, if they do, it is the single biggest story of the Big East this year. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. Mullen, coach of the year. Mullen, Chris Mullen, <laughs> Big East coach of the year. You heard it here first. <laughs> You heard it here first. But you know that's what's our, – our, 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 the way it's going to shake out is Marquette's going to keep losing because they actually suck. Yeah, I don't know what their deal is. And it's going to be St. John's versus Marquette in the 8-9 game if we're the one seed. If not, then it's going to be St. John's Marquette in the 7-10 game as, and we're the two seed. If, if it's St. John's and Marquette, they both might lose. No. They, they, will, they will simultaneously lose. They will play each other and they will both be eliminated from the tournament. That's what will happen. Because Marquette doesn't get up for big games, or doesn't get up for small games, as you noted. And St. John's, I just don't believe in. So I think they will somehow find a way to mutually forfeit the game. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be a first, probably. Oh, let's talk about the schedule coming up. So Georgetown's at Butler. I expect Butler to um, to figure, to, to avenge our their loss against us um, and, and come out strong in that. Then Creighton is taking on Bemidiji State. <laughs> On Tuesday, which is mystifying that they play that level of a game during this year. I don't even know. What is a Bemidiji State? <laughs> I don't know, but all I know is the committee is looking at that and saying that's a resume builder. Yeah. Is that, is that a quad one win? <laughs> I think so. That's, that's going to be tough. I mean, I would, uh, I would take Bemidiji State to cover in that one. <laughs> it's um, bold. It's bold, I know. You got, us in, you got us in Providence. You got St. John's at the Paul. I expect St. John's to stay hot and to keep their winning streak going. I think they'll win that game. Uh, Seton Hall at Xavier. Now, this is a game at the beginning of the season or a few weeks ago would have been like, this is super exciting. I think Xavier just throttles Seton Hall. The only way Seton Hall stays in this game is if Xavier totally looks past them uh, en route to the game on Saturday. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know, I don't believe in either of these teams. I think Seton Hall is horrible. I think Xavier's actually not that good. So I think you're right. Xavier's going to win, but this game doesn't excite me. 
Then on Saturday, the Saturday slate is uh, Providence at Butler. I th- I just think Butler's gonna. I think Butler might win out in the conference. They've got a softer second half of the schedule. It's possible. Yeah, and Marquette at Creighton, which there'll be no defense played in that game. Absolutely none. Each team might score 120 points. Yeah. So and, and Creighton's not going to lose at Century Link, and as discussed, Marquette is sucks. They suck. They're horrible. They're not good. They don't play any defense. Rousey's another one who comes out of the Mercura Allen pool of Gene Pool. He's got great hair, though. Good hair. No, Very good no hair. question. Yeah. And and yeah, this I just don't buy into Marquette. I think I think um, I think Wojo's been a disappointment there. Yeah, it's not been. They show. Like the team, they show flashes of brilliance, and you see it season after season. Like, oh, only I, against us, uh, only against us. And I, I keep feeling like, oh, that was a good season for Wojo. Next season, I'll put it together. And they haven't just they haven't put it together. I keep waiting on this team to take the next step and get to that upper echelon, the Big East, where Marquette actually used to be. They were constantly fighting at the top. And Wojo hasn't been able to do it. No. I don't know if I, I I miss Buzz Williams, but like Buzz Williams got that team to perform. Sweaty man. guy, sweaty guy, has, has hair, now. has hair. Big news would be like the second biggest news of the Big East year, even though he's in the ACC now. But the fact that Buzz Williams has hair is pretty phenomenal. I'm excited, and, and he's got the shaved in side part, Zzz. hard, hard part. hard part, hard part. Big fan of the hard part. Yeah. Buzz is, Buzz is looking better these days. And then and then on Sunday, you got DePaul at Seton Hall. I like Seton Hall to get right there. Uh, I just don't see DePaul having the firepower to match up with them. Um, Can we trade DePaul? They are really horrible. DePaul's bad. They're horrible. DePaul's bad. Like, it's um, been so long. So, so I, I like Seton Hall in that game, um, and that'll take us to the end of the Big East week. Yeah. So, exciting week coming up. Big week for Nova. It was a it was an interesting week for Nova. I think we're riding the ship. We had our our big losing streak of one game. Got over that. Yeah, Lavin called that the a losing streak. The losing streak. Yes, this is Fox News at its Fox Sports. Excuse me, at its finest. They are really just adding value throughout the process. So they're right so in, bad. They're so bad. I don't get it. It's really it's it's unreal. There's a couple of like, like Gus Johnson's obviously terrific. Yeah. Raf is terrific. Raf. I like um Jackson. I think he's good. But everyone else is just brutal. It's really it's it's unbearable to watch. And the graphics. I will never understand why Fox continues to use the robot. Yeah. I can dedicate a whole podcast to talking about the robot and how 1990s I would like seen. to see you try and do that. I don't believe you can do that. All right, well, I don't want to scare our listeners off, so I'm not going to promise a whole podcast. Maybe I'll do a separate podcast. Beep, 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 beep. Backing off that one. I'll do it. No, I'll do a whole separate podcast. It won't be on the full 40 minutes. I'll do an entire podcast line just dedicated to the robot. We'll see about that one. Is there anything else that we needed to cover? I think we got the big topics for this week. It's exciting. I mean, we hit Chiron Cartwright pretty heavily, which is important. Always important. Uh, we, hit the, we hit the selection show. Uh, we got the we got the Big East covered, and we got this week looking forward covered. I think we're pretty good. One thing we got to talk about before we wrap up the show is Georgetown and our continuing coverage of their struggle to get out of the cellar yeah. in the Big East and to be relevant program again. Um, and my take on Georgetown is this: as much as I hate them. I want them to actually be relevant. It's terrible for the Big East that that Georgetown sucks. Like it's it's awful. It's horrible. And I think Ewing is a better game coach than Mullen is. Like if we're just comparing it to, I actually just think that for whatever reason, I realize that Georgetown is more history. I think in the era that we live in today, of like big city, New York is the greatest city in the world still. And all of that, I think it's easier for Mullen to get recruits and to play big games in MSG. That asset of MSG and being in New York, I think, is maybe gives St. John's a little bit better 
traction going forward. I mean, maybe. Look, but I, but but I think Ewing is a better coach than Mullen. That's fine. I mean, I don't want to spend too much. We'll spend more time on the next podcast. I think the synopsis is Georgetown, state of Georgetown. They're horrible. They're still horrible. They've been horrible all season. They're probably going to be horrible again next year. It's a shame. The worst, but it's out not of changing schedule ever. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's not. It's People not stop talking about that now that we're kind of like all the way into the thick of the conference schedule. But it's important to remember that Georgetown put together a season schedule and managed to schedule the singular worst major conference out-of-conference schedule ever. Crazy. Crazy. All right, let's wrap it up. All right, so thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, really hope you enjoyed the podcast. Want to get some ideas, uh, feel free uh, to send us an email. I'm not going to give my email address. Yeah, but we'll send come us, up with an email. Yeah, we'll come up with an email address. Um, and interested to get thoughts on topics that you want us to talk about. We're an open book here. Um, we don't have to cover anything in particular. Um, but thanks for listening in and uh, have a great week. And as always, let's go Nova.